Hello and welcome to the Like, Click and Share podcast. Uh, we are on a season two, but I've completely forgotten what episode number that we're on. I think it's episode six. I did check before we came online and, and uh, yeah, I've kind of lost it now. So uh, number six sounds about right, but probably apologies if it's another one. We have, uh, there's three of us on the podcast today and uh, it's a special treat. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited to, to introduce... Um, well, do you know what? I'm going to let our guests introduce themselves. Mystery guest, introduce yourself. Yes, hello. My name is Lloyd Ramsey. Um, <clears throat> I've uh, known at least Darren for, for a little while. We taught in Saudi Arabia together. Um, I taught cybersecurity for a couple of years. And before that, I did uh, uh, I did nothing but but medical. So I was basically a, like an, an LPN for 10 years. Then I Switched over to cybersecurity, teaching for a couple of years, uh, and then I'm currently a Linux and system administrator, um, and uh, podcaster and YouTuber, and and still do teaching on, on Udemy and all that good stuff. Um, and other than that, I don't uh, don't really have any any other you know notable mentions. Um, I'm so nerdy that I don't have hobbies. So that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody meet uh, Lloyd and we've got Gemma as usual Gemma Walton how you doing Gemma I'm all righty how are you yeah doing good thank you very much okay so as you gathered with this podcast we're talking about cybersecurity today and the slightly cybersecurity for business um there's been a recent well I say recent over the last 18 months most of us will probably have noticed in the emails that this massive like phishing campaigns going on and the amount of attacks and the amount of hacks that are going on that is increasing um a lot of ransomware that's, that's going on um a lot of nobody's kind of protected as such so but you know there are things that we can be doing practical steps that we can take in, in our own business and on our devices every single day uh, to kind of like uh, protect ourselves as much as we can so we're going to give, talk about some practical advice kind of how we got to where we are today um we're going to talk about TikTok and uh, in particular about uh, an interesting um, interview that happened yesterday um, in the US. So if you kind of want to hear a bit about that, then uh, stay tuned. Uh, some of the conversation might get a bit political in nature. So if you're sensitive to that, then maybe you might not want to listen to the rest of the podcast. It's not explicitly having a go at anybody in particular, but um, there are some really um interesting and funny situations and typical questions that people ask about the internet and you kind of wonder how they dress themselves each day so uh but yeah let's uh let's go get into this so lloyd yes. cyber security then what is it and why should we be, be bothered about it well you know that's a really good question actually um cyber security most people think is mainly just highly technical and keeping systems secure, um, antiviruses, firewalls, and all these technical controls. But actually, it has anything and everything to do with protecting any business asset at all. That also goes into physical. So if you're talking about cameras and fences, um, <clears throat> it, it's all the same, right? So literally, cybersecurity kind of kind of envelops every single thing you could possibly imagine that would protect any business asset uh, in general it's just uh, for some reason still called cybersecurity. 
Okay. <laughs> Nothing much more they can say to about that. But so, so why does it matter? You know, that's a, maybe it sounds like a stupid question, but a lot of people kind of hear about like cybersecurity or just security for, for the devices. So why, why, why people, you know, why should they pay attention? Uh, let me put it to you this way. I'm sure you'll get, we'll get more into this as you ask questions more related to small business, but here's the, the shortest way to put this. The simplest way to put this is, um, you should care and everyone should care because everything and everyone is a target, right? The less protections you have in place, the more likely you are to be attacked. And it doesn't matter if you're an individual or a small business or a large business. The fact of it is, and and I'll get deeper into it as we talk about it, you'll be surprised the majority of of, of attacks that actually take place are either automated or done by people who don't know what they're doing. Because people think that this is just for identity theft or stealing millions of dollars from businesses. And that's just not the case. The scary thing is, is that somebody can learn one or two things on YouTube or from some tutorials and they're going to do things just because they can. And they're going to do things literally to laugh about it with their friends. And that's something that I just never hear talked about. And that's something that everybody listening needs to realize is don't go thinking you're not a target because you don't have anything to give. Somebody will crash your whole system just to laugh about it. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because you gave some really good examples there already. Um, kind of people have kind of heard about kind of like hacking and that people think um, that, you know, they just, just browse on the internet um, and just looking at emails and that, then, you know, they're not really going to become a victim, but kind of cybercrime now is it's expanded, um, you know, and I have to say, I've kind of been a victim myself with over, over the last two or three years, not by sort of clicking on anything, but somebody calling me and then telling me things that I kind of recognize um, about my activity. And then you kind of fall victim to listening more about what they've got to say. And then you start sort of, you know, from a very, very like early phone call, like maybe lasting a couple of minutes and you kind of trust what they're telling you. And then by, you might, you might hand over certain details. I can't remember what exactly happened, but uh, there was, uh, I think my situation or my example was that somebody was going to send me something through the post and then I was had to hold on to it. And then I had to go and forward it onto somebody. It was this whole convoluted thing. And then there was text before I knew it, there was text messages being sent to my device. And then I started getting emails, you know, that is still cyber crime, even though you just do it on the telephone, people, somebody's got your data. So where did they get their data from? How did they get it? Who maybe did you give data like to? So if you're listening to thinking, well, it doesn't apply to me, then hopefully that kind of example there is, uh, you know, the, like Lloyd was saying, anybody can be like a victim and everybody like should listen. And the fact that the bigger you are, the bigger you are as a victim, you've got more to lose as well. So if you're running a business, that's it's really, really important that um, even if you think, well, I've got no computers or I've just got my mobile, then you can still be a victim. Um, you know, just it's as simple as that. Um, mm-hmm. Usually we'd have some stats and that ready, but we, to be honest, I, I think it's it's enough that you probably could just Google in terms of the, the cyber crime, how big it is, but it's fast. I, what's the state, what's the situation in, in the, in the U S is it kind of, is it kind of rapidly evolving the types of like things that are happening? <laughs> Mainly things are everything's on the global stage. 
honestly. Uh, it doesn't seem to to really change from one place to the other because what you what you have to realize is the things that everybody really hears about are coming from various different countries. Um, of course, Russia, North Korea, China, <clears throat> Brazil. These are, you know, they attack folks all over the world, and these are the attacks that everyone hears about. Um, so really, it's not changing. It, it, the U.S. isn't really any different from anywhere else. Um, the one thing I wanted to talk about is the the, the phone thing that you mentioned. It, you, you know, cyber used to not, or cyber crime and cyber issues did not used to include that so much. But what you have to realize, you, you kind of asked a question, and I want everybody to realize this. Um, where do they get that information? And it's online. The fact of it is, is whether you even have social media or not, um, there is a tool called OSINT, O-S-I-N-T, and it's just, you can go to the website, and it has uh, all, everything you would need, just point and click, and you could find out almost anything public um, about someone. So, and that's actually, for over the phone, is especially um, especially becoming popular because it's really easy. And I'll kind of explain to you why in a specific example, just because I used to work in, in healthcare, okay? If I know your birthday and I know your name, I can get whatever I want from you. I can get all of your health information faxed to me, guarantee you. Because, uh, you know, maybe it's just because I also have a, a telesales background, but usually anybody that is going to be doing this kind of attack, which is called vishing, by the way, uh, is, is going to have a really good experience on the phone, right? So I'm going to call and say, I'm going to call your doctor's office because you probably posted, oh, at the doctor's, and maybe the logo is somewhere in the background, or your location was tagged, and you had no idea. So great, I get to call that doctor's office and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not going to call and ask for information from you. I'm going to call your doctor's office, and I'm going to look at another doctor in the area. Okay, so now I have authority. And then I'm going to say, hey, this is Dr. So-and-so. I have this patient in here right now, Darren, date of birth is this, I need this, this, and this faxed to me right away uh, because he might have to go into emergency surgery. Let me know when you get this done. So immediately, whoever's on the other end of that phone is freaking out, right? They're talking to a doctor. They're all important. This person might be going into emergency surgery and they, they gave you the information necessary. Name and date of birth is all people ask for on the phone. It's ridiculous. And they're going to immediately fax you that information. And that is just an example purely off the top of my head. People put a lot of thought into these campaigns. Um, and it's really easy to do stuff over the phone. I mean, you got to think. It's not technical to do that. Yeah, that's quite scary. I, I, that's it's really interesting. I mean, you talked about kind of the global stage. Because um, one of the questions I had, you know, well, why do people do it? And so we've kind of got the political uh, motivation there. And there's a lot of money that there's at stake here. So for some of the countries that you mentioned beforehand, that perhaps, you know, they're struggling maybe with trade um, or they're not able to, um, well, they're struggling with trade because they're not able to trade in certain markets or they've got no income as a country as a whole, then cybercrime can be extremely um, valuable to them. But you also you mentioned interestingly one of the other motives was just just because people can do it. You know, you've kind of gone from the global to the local, and people kind of use it um, just just to kind of prove their abilities and just to have a bit of a laugh. Yeah, I mean, think about it this way. Uh, and, and anybody listening too, if, if anybody has an interest in something, and they come across um, 
a video that says how to steal someone's Wi-Fi password or something. Let's just say that's not actually easy, but let's just say it, it, generally there are some things that are very easy to do if you download a couple things and use them. And if you just learned how to do that, you're going to want to try it out. And if you do try it out, um, then it's, it's, you, you know, I know we're going to talk about TikTok later, but social media, TikTok, you think that's a dopamine hit? Let me tell you, um, you know, if you successfully get into someone's system or get on their Wi-Fi when you weren't supposed to, talk about a dopamine hit, right? So people will do this just for fun. And then they'll just go further and further and further down that rabbit hole. Um, I'm not sure what really makes people kind of do that because I've learned some pretty dangerous things myself and I've never thought to do that mainly because I'm scared of prison. <laughs> I don't know about <laughs> over there, but here it's a minimum five years. If you do so much as, you know, hack into someone's Facebook account, um, you're going to prison for a long time. It's not, it's not a joke. Right. Um, so people need to realize that, but yeah, I mean, even if you have a group of technical friends, right, you work in an IT department, um, what are you going to do over the weekend? Oh, let's play video games. And then one thing leads to another. And uh, next thing you know, you guys are you're trying to get into people's webcams or something, whatever. And yeah, you're going to do it just for fun. So, I mean, yeah, it's a vice for some people. <laughs> and it's interesting because it is the same rules as well. But, you know, we've, yeah. I think like for young, there have been a lot of young people in, in um, university that have been caught, you know, doing hacking. Um, and the yeah they're being found um you know because they found they thought using maybe like campus um was a, a great way to get hidden but actually it's probably quite an easy way to get um found because once you kind of got the um the ip address and then it's just a case of a master of then just investigating a little bit more further in the system and everything kind of is organized into groups into in these kind of big um organizations and certainly like um universities are then it's pretty easy to find the device and then they obviously they can just track it back to the user then that logged in um so there's been plenty of those um examples and that um and i think it's 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 scary that people that still think it's you know that they're invisible that they, they think they just because they can do it that they, they they're not trackable but it, you know most things are <laughs> yeah even if you use a vpn i mean if you do cry, cyber crime you're basically done Is, for if you're an amateur. Can I ask yeah. you, can I ask you, Lloyd, you know, like obviously you mentioned those different countries there and I was like surprised to hear Brazil. I'm mm. um, not surprised to hear the other ones that you mentioned. Do, do the countries have, you know, like because there's different like forms of cyber attack, isn't there? We had one in Sunderland where I live with the hospital where they shut all the systems down. Yeah. Is, that a ran Is it ransomware? Where they want you to pay money and they'll take yeah. whatever it is that they've put on off. Do do the countries have different types of attacks that they specialize in, or do they just do anything and everything? I would say they or do is... anything and everything. It, it's right. and the reason why I said Brazil is for some reason I I banned a lot of IP addresses in Brazil when I was a uh, an analyst. Um, right. It, it was either China, North Korea, you know, Russia, or Brazil. Um, but here's what I would like to just kind of say with that, because I don't want to seem like I'm going after any group of countries. Here's mm -hmm. the thing. If you're doing, if you're not doing a global business, um, and you have any website or system, um, in your country, whatever country that is, 
any kind of activity from any other country should be looked at as suspicious. That's just the bottom line. If you're not doing business with with Germany, okay, and you're in the you're in the UK, um, and you see a bunch of traffic from Germany, you should flag it as suspicious, and your your alarm bell should go off. Um, nice. But that's, yeah, there's no specialties. Really, that's interesting. And where and where would you? Because we're going to start getting into kind of these some of these examples. So it's a really good lead um, from German. Um, but in terms of like um, analytics, in terms of like traffic, is Google Analytics enough? Like a back office of a website, like Squarespace or Wix, is that a good starting point to to have a look? For the non technical person, that's individual. You're basically not going to get visibility into that. Um, right. Okay. Maybe with Google Analytics, if you decide to check it, but there's nothing that you can do about it. Um, as just kind of a layman, especially if you have a website through some other hosting service like GoDaddy or Wix, there's nothing that you can do about it, but it's not your problem. Okay. That's not your system. That's not your website. Really? It's not yours. Um, so you, if you have customer data on it, that's an issue. Um, but you know, I would really, that's why I would really honestly advise, uh, if you're, if you have any kind of website where customers are submitting any private information, um, don't use any of those platforms for any length of time. Um, you should really have your own system. You should have a developer and you should, you should have the wherewithal or pay for some service that will protect that data because that's the, the main thing between a very small business and, and a, a large business is that they have not only visibility, but control into who can access their website or their network um, through various different systems. And those generally cost money, but um, yeah, you're, you're running into a situation where let's say Wix, for example, uh, you have customer data on there. Maybe you're taking payment on there and an attacker gets in their system. Yeah, that's their system. But you know, who's responsible to that customer is you. Um, it doesn't even matter mm-hmm. if it says in your agreement that, oh, Wix is responsible. No, you're not. That's not actually the case. No cloud provider, um, Google Cloud, Amazon, they are responsible. They may be responsible for security or security controls. But at the end of the day, you are the one that has to answer to any government or regulatory body. So is there any, like, sorry, Darren, is there any, like, if you're a small business owner, obviously you might not have the money to have a system that's designed that you can have sit somewhere that's protected. You can only have a website in Squarespace or Wix or WordPress, wherever. So are there any, have you got any tips for a small business owner? Because obviously big businesses can afford to have their own departments. They can afford to have people working for them, you know, um, get their systems developed, you know, is there any like tips for small business owners, things that they can do if you're like one man person or five or less than 10, you know, and you haven't necessarily got thousands of pounds to spare? Well, it depends on what your situation is. Um, most websites are, are fine. If you're going to do that, if you're, if you need a really good looking website quickly, you're not, you're not handling, you're not storing a, you know, a vast amounts of customer information. Right. If you're doing that, then you don't have a website through Wix. I don't. I don't know what mm-hmm. you would be doing um, where it would be that sensitive. But again, it kind of goes back to that's their system. At the end of the day, what I can say is, any of those systems, those are huge businesses. Okay. So the likelihood 
of some kind of severe attack to where your customer information gets, you know, gets taken is unlikely. It's basically as mm-hmm. if you had those millions of, of, of pounds or dollars to put into security. They're doing that. Um, so you can feel safe in that regard. It's just how comfortable are you with not having control over that security? Um, and another thing, because we kind of led into the small businesses, it's really important that I say, you know, I said earlier that it doesn't matter how small you are, you, you're going to be a target. Um, a lot of people also think everything is technical. And you talked, Darren, at the beginning about phishing campaigns. Um, I do have a stat on this. It's a stat that I give to all my students and everybody. 98% of all cyber attacks that occur are from social engineering, which is any form of you know email phishing attempts over the phone, right? That's our term for it is social engineering, right? 98% originate from that, okay? So hackers don't sit there and just magically get into your system. That is not the case. 98% of the time, it's someone clicking something in an email. That's the vast majority of it. All the ransomware attacks you hear of, how do you think that gets in, right? 98% of the time, it's an email. Somebody clicks on a link, right? And so it, that's really important for you to know, okay? Another thing important for you to know about this, because I know you're thinking, well, if I'm, if I'm a small business and I barely make a living off of it, what do I care, right? The fact of it is the smaller you are, the, scared, the more scared you should be of this. Uh, because one, the reason why this has seemed like it's gotten more common, right? Because it's almost always been this way. But here's what's changed. Ransomware now anybody can go and buy ransomware. That's the change that's happening. That's why there seems like there's an increase in all of this. Because now if I decide to turn to the dark side, as they say, um, I can do, it's called ransomware as a service. I can go and I can buy ransomware from somebody and change a couple of settings and I can send it out to hundreds or thousands of business emails. Okay. All I need is one person to click on something. That's what's important. In security, you have to get everything right. On the on the attacking side, all you have to do, all the, you know, is 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 be successful one time. So generally, you're sending out hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of emails or text messages. You need one person. That's it. Um, so what I'm saying is, if I have a bunch of small businesses, which I'm thinking to myself, right? See, the same way that you're thinking, I'm a small business. I don't need any protection. I'm not going to pay for X, Y, Z. An attacker is thinking, hey, they're a small business. They're probably not paying for this or that. They probably don't have that in place. You have to realize that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get some ransomware and buy it, and I'm going to send it to you. And I know maybe you don't make that much money, but I want to get paid. I'm, if, if you make 100 k a year, I'm not going to send you a ransomware for 100 k or a $10 million. No, no, no. I'm going to send for maybe 500 maybe maybe 1000 10000 right? Because I know that you can pay that. I'm looking to get paid at the end of the day. And I don't have to pay for that ransomware unless I get paid. That's another thing you have to realize. That ransomware provider gets 20% or more or less of the ransom that you get. So think about that for a second. And and that's the only way to get in. Because now you have people. And by the way, you don't have to be technical to do this. You're buying something and sending an email. The only thing you have to be good at is crafting an email. And you can put as much time into that as you want. One thing that's really universal that I saw one time that was really clever, 
this was before people were working from home, but imagine you're not working from home and you're in an office full of people and you open up an email and it says in big letters, uh, and here's a little warning here, depending on who's listening to this. It says, thank you for subscribing to Pornhub, right? And it has all of this thing. And you know what's at the bottom of the email? An unsubscribe link, okay? So that is a real, that was a really clever way that I saw. You have to think, <laughs> you, you know, these emails are meant to get you to react. Um, and those are non-targeted. If I'm desperate for money, I'm going to look into you a little bit, find out where your kids go to school. And I'm going to send you an email from your school saying your kid, uh, we, we, this is a consent form. Uh, your child needs to go to the hospital, but we can't put him in the ambulance until you fill out this form. Like you, you got to think there's an endless amount of possibilities. I'm going to try to get you to stop thinking and start reacting with your emotions. And as soon as I get you to switch to your emotional side of the brain, you're done for. And so is your business. That's really Did that make sense or did I just rant? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. It, it, that, I think that was absolutely fascinating. I mean, you, you talked about phishing. We've talked about um, uh, and ransomware. What other examples are there of cyber, well, the main types of cybersecurity? Right now, that's the big thing. Okay. There is a change with what we used to call ransomware. Before it used to be all your data is encrypted, right? And we will unencrypt it for a price. <clears throat> Here's what's happening now. Okay. Now it's I'm going to take all of your data. I'm going to take control all of, of all of your data using this kind of software. <clears throat> but instead of encrypting it, I'm going to actually take that data from you. Right, So now it's still ransomware, but the ransomware is changing <clears throat> because encryption can, you can get around that in various different ways. Because he, here's the big difference. Before the threat was, if you don't give me money, right, I am going to keep your files encrypted. And so you can't access the data, right? Um, all of your customer data, your systems are inoperable. But guess what? Ransomware has been going on long enough to where all you have to do for ransomware is have everything backed up as much as possible to where if somebody takes your, your data and encrypts it, okay, I don't care, right? I'm just going to back up the system. I'm going to remove all of that data anyway, mm -hmm. and I'm going to change all our passwords. I'm going to do a complete install of Windows and everything. So that ransomware is wiped off, <clears throat> and then you have all of that data backed up. Well, guess what? They started to figure that out. Before, they didn't ever have that data. They just applied encryption to it. Now they're starting to take the data because now people have things backed up and they can't just say, I don't care anymore. Because it's like, wait a second, wait a second. What do you mean you don't care anymore? I have your data. You have a backup so you can keep operating, but I can sell all of this data or I can release it to the public. Your reputation's going to go down the tank. All of your customers are going to leave you. And in a lot of cases... Uh, especially if, depending on what regulation you have to abide by, um, the regulatory body, the government will shut you down, right? So I can make your business go away. Um, and either way, they're going to make money. They're either going to sell the data that they get, or you're going to pay them, or they're you're going to pay them and they're going to sell the data anyway uh, and give it back to you. They're going to make a copy, sell the data, and give it back to you. That's the latest thing. But other than that... You know, it's the just for lulls kind of thing that I talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, this is just 
it's unpredictable and that's what's dangerous. The less they know and the less advanced they are, um, they go after low hanging fruit. Generally this is automated um, and they'll just either delete everything or they'll put malware on. There's no telling what they'll do. Um, so it's really hard to say. Um, but that's why absolutely no security controls in place are are mo- the most dangerous because the people that don't know anything about hacking, those are the dangerous ones because they don't have a goal in mind. They're just going to destroy whatever, do whatever, and brag to their friends about it. Um, but, you know, here's what, here's what I'm trying to say. The, the, this is what we they would call the low-hanging fruit, right? So they'll get in and they'll either destroy everything or whatever. Um, what you might say is, well, I can only put one or two controls in place that are free, right? Your, your computer comes with a firewall. Every computer comes with a firewall, antivirus, right? Um, if you put anything additional on there, it's good. Um, because, and this is, don't try to sound, I'm trying not to make this sound scary, scarier than it is. So this is, this is actually a relief what I'm about to say, but you have those beginners that don't know what they're doing. And then you have advanced threats. Okay. The government, you know, actors that we talked about earlier, they are going to get in no matter what. Okay. It doesn't matter what you do. And this is a, an accepted thing in the industry. If the government of X country wants to get into your, your system, it does not matter what you do. They will get in. They have the capability. You got to think they're funded. They have a team of the most the smartest people in the country that are around the clock, literally around the clock, figuring out vulnerabilities. And that's the technical. Remember how I said hackers don't just magically hack in? These people magically hack in. Okay, Here's the good thing. These people are not after small businesses. They are after the big fish. So the advanced people that are going to get in anyway are after the big folks. The people that don't know what they're doing, and if you don't have anything in place, they're going to get in. That is what you need to worry about. Scary, I think. And you, men- <clears throat> and you mentioned, um, and you mentioned about the uh, kind of the ransomware as a service, which is um, scary. So, kind of, I, I might know where this might lead, but some people might say, "Well, why don't these websites get taken down?" Why do these people get like prosecuted? So is this kind of for those people who've never heard it, is this kind of the first introduction into the dark web? Because this is what this is all about, these people kind of lying low. Yeah, there's no way that th- this is not on the internet. If it's on the internet, you can guarantee that a, like a law enforcement agency is probably responsible. Um and and even on the dark web, there are plenty of maybe websites on there. <clears throat> that might claim to buy ransomware, you know, sell ransomware, and then you buy it, and then it turns out that's the FBI or that's, you know, some kind of government agency that's going to, you know, arrest you. you people think that they're invisible on the dark web, and that's a whole other topic. You're not. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, all of that stuff is going to be found somewhere on the dark web. Um, that's the only way you're, you're going to dependably be able to get a hold of that. Um, Maybe, you know, maybe people that know more than I do are like that you're stupid. You can get that on this website. I would never trust if I was a criminal, I would never trust anything on the normal kind of Internet um, 
where I'm buying something illegal, I would never, ever trust that. I would assume that's a sting operation. Let's see. That's really interesting to know. And do you think, I mean, jumping a bit ahead, we're, we're, all, we're all going to be coming back to the, the cyber stuff, but jumping ahead like to Web 3.0, do you think that things will get better or do you think they might get worse because there's like more uh, new technology, so therefore there's kind of like more loopholes? Well, there's two sides of that. It, I don't have a, a definite opinion. I have both sides of the argument. I think <clears throat> it's going to be easier as far as you don't you're with web three you're not going to have a centralized like database that has everything right um so they're talking about even storing your your username password all of that that's not going to be in one place that's going to be spread out and in in a blockchain of some kind i'm not going to pretend to understand completely blockchain but here's what i will say attacks will shift to attacking the blockchain okay um they're going to be more technical um, I think if anything, you know, you're going to you're going to find less like automated kind of sc- people paying for scripts to run, and it's not going to do any good. But here's what I what I will say: one thing that will never change is okay. If you if let's say blockchain is is amazing, there's no way you can hack it. Let's just say there's a scenario where your username and password is scattered throughout the blockchain and it's a different encryption every single node. Let's just say that, right? Um, that still doesn't stop me from phishing you. Okay? I'm still going to send you an email and you're going to be directed to a login page that looks exactly like the one you're supposed to log into and those login credentials are going to be sent straight to me. Um, so, And then uh, I'm going to change your username and password once I'm logged in. And then the entire blockchain now has the u- new username and, bl- and then you don't have a central place to go in and change your stuff back. So um, that will never, ever change. There will always be phishing. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because in a way, it's like, this is, this is, you know, this is the, <laughs> it's like old fashioned, like cyber security. We're talking about people like sending emails, you know, um, and then click here, click, but they might not look like that. They some of them look quite sophisticated. They do look like like the the real emails, but particularly if you're coming from maybe like a um, tax office or deliveries. deliveries. Um, even on your phone now, you get like um, like sort of the text messages. Um, you know, like you've got a delivery here. Look, click to re uh, read. You know, reschedule it, or um, you need to pay a pound or a dollar or something to like read yeah. uh, kind of mm-hmm. deliver something. The, all these types of things. The raw is all examples of kind of like uh, cybersecurity exploits um and there's there's just so many of them and the end of this there's more that's happening every single day uh, but like lloyd was saying from the very beginning we're all you know potentially if you're a hacker you've got your whole customer base is the entire globe or what is it nearly 90 percent of the globe is kind of connected to the internet so you've got enough people there if you if that's your motivation to make money and to scam people then you yeah, you've got all those customers out there, all those willing uh, willing victims, because we don't have to click on these things. Um, and that's what I was going to say next. I mean, there's, there's two things I was going to say, um, or kind of two things I'm going to ask. From what I understand, um, when, when I, I mean, I did my computer degree, did a little bit in cyber, not as much like yourself. <clears throat> but if you're a larger business, then they kind of recommend from time to time, certainly on an annual basis, 
and that you should be like having like an audit um, so that you, you can hire somebody to come into your business and then look at kind of vulnerabilities. Do you think that's a good first sensible step if you're running a large organization? Uh, it may be required. <clears throat> that's one thing I'll say is if you're large enough, chances are some kind of you 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 have to abide by some kind of regulation depending on what it is gdpr or hipaa something um you each regulation has its own set of requirements right because that's what a regulation is different uh pci so for credit cards they require penetration tests so in other words they require you to pay ethical hacking um companies to try to hack your systems this is a requirement um at least i think it's every year um and then quarterly audits maybe um th there's a very strict requirement so a it depends on the regulations if you don't have any regulations if you're not doing an audit every year if you're a large business right we're talking about large businesses if you're not doing an audit every year and you're not doing a pen test a penetration test once a year and if you have, if everybody's not work from home, like if you have physical servers, you're not using the cloud, if you don't have physical penetration tests once a year, right? Because, and that's a whole cool thing. There are companies that are paid to break into buildings. These are physical penetration testers, right? Remember I said earlier that cybersecurity involves everything, right? So people come in to pick your locks, try to climb your fence, dress up as your janitor and sneak through the door. All of this exists. Really? If you're not doing all of this, yeah. If you're not doing all of this once a year, you don't need to be in business. <laughs> you have to do these things once a year. And you have to actually, you know, because what you're basically paying for here is a report. You're paying for a list of things to change, right? And yeah, these are very expensive. A pen test could cost you fifty dollars $100,000. If you're a huge, giant company, it's really involved. There are a lot of different flavors of pen tests at different levels. Um, you have to, they're paying for a report. They're not paying for somebody to come in and have fun hacking, right? This is business. Um, yeah, you have to do this once a year. If you're very large, quarterly, uh, I know large businesses like Google, like the physical pen testers I mentioned, they have these people maybe weekly or, or more um, that will come in and they just try to tailgate, right? So you badge in and they'll try to, Say, you know, maybe they're holding a bunch of stuff like, oh, can you let me in, right? Google pays people to do that around the year, right? And so, yeah, I mean, if you're a large business, you should be able to afford it. If you don't, like, yeah, you might save yourself a couple hundred thousand a year or, or more, um, but all you need is one incident, right? It could cost you millions. Mm -hmm. and, and there are, are there? I mean, we won't name the hotel chain, but I know you told me of an example last year where we were chatting with one major hotel chain in the last couple of years that didn't update. And this, by the way, you can probably Google this anyway if you really want to find out. Um, but they didn't um, update their systems um, and they were kind of using like old old systems or just didn't listen to the warnings. This is kind of... And we're going to get into this. There's a, there's there's a segue here. Um, we're going to move on to something else shortly. Um, but the you know the people that make the decisions in the business were kind of they kind of prioritised their profits or other things going on in terms of the business because they didn't see cybersecurity as a threat. And the fact is, you know, for that particular business, um, then every you know everything went down. The whole kind of the, the ability to do their run their business every single day without going into too much into detail. 
um, was, uh, well, they were strangulated, so they weren't able to carry on going. And we've got an example at the moment here in the UK um, with the uh, Royal Mail. So we've not been mm -hmm. able to, up until maybe about maybe six weeks ago, we had about six, seven weeks of um, kind of parcels that weren't able to be shipped to, uh, overseas. So therefore, we weren't, we didn't have the ability as a country to send kind of like parcels wow. uh, via our main like kind of you know parcel service overseas. Huh. If you kind of using the other private services, then they were unaffected. Um, but that all came down to um, just a cyber security sort of vulnerability. And I know that investigation is still ongoing, so we don't know really what happened. But it's going to be things something like old software, or it's going to be somebody clicked on an email, somebody kind of maybe rang up or did something and gave a bit more, a bit more information what, than what they should have done. These are all really simple things that kind of you can, um, you know, you, you can just do some in-house training with your team, literally no more, no less, you know, maybe a couple of times a year just to, just to reinforce the fact that don't say this, don't say that, don't click on anything that you don't know, um, you don't recognise anything, people are asking for information that, seems a little bit strange then don't give them it it's better to be polite and to say i'll get back to you give me your number or give me an email address and then you know if they're really genuine then maybe they'll they might leave it maybe they might not it's interesting it's i, I like the the example again i know it wasn't um, an analogy but you were actually saying at the time about people coming in like dressing up um mm -hmm. you know to kind yeah. of check on the businesses but that's the same thing, isn't it, for small businesses? Even when you can't see them, if you know, you wouldn't give your front door key to somebody that you didn't know. So why would you give them like your, you know, the last three numbers on the back of the card, or why would you give them your card information from your bank sort code? You know, all this type of stuff. Ask yourself who you're talking to and what's their motivation, and you know, if you're busy, then maybe just deal with it another time. Um, would you? Would you add anything to that, Lloyd? Uh, I think you pretty much covered it, it all. Um, I, I guess the one thing I would add, the one thing that kind of struck me, you were talking about was old systems, right? Um, the biggest, probably the biggest, <laughs> the, the worst at this is, is grocery stores, um, right? Um, at least At least here in the U.S., a lot of, local grocery stores like local chains they're still like using these old terminal systems right and you know what it's not because they won't for certain businesses like grocery stores it's because they cannot afford to upgrade upgrading systems are it's probably one of the most complicated things right i do upgrades for for certain systems at my job and just a simple thing like a mattermost server upgrade um has me tensed up to the point where after it's over with like i feel the tension release and i have a headache right because something can go wrong well grocery stores make one to two percent profit margin they don't have the money to upgrade their entire systems right and um an attacker also because it's not a sophisticated thing it's not on uh connected to the internet it's it's maybe it doesn't have any networking involved in it really at all right um if you wanted to take down a grocery store you would just go get groceries one day and you would just kind of pay close attention every time you do it uh there's an ncr on the on the screen and blah 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 
or maybe there's a job opening for a cashier, right? Um, and this this happens too, and this is actually really cool. There's a job opening for a cashier, right? So what am I going to do? I'm going to go and get my, me a job interview, okay? And I'm going to say, yeah, you know, they're going to ask, what, what are your goals in five years? Oh, well, I, you know, I'm really into computers. Um, speaking of which, what systems are you guys using for your cashier? You know, those kind of systems are so fascinating to me. And they'll just spill the beans or you start working there. You will literally have attacks where people will work at companies just to gather information. I mean, uh, don't underestimate any of that. I don't know. It's a pretty, it's a pretty wild world out there. I can't, be- I can't is, believe it, all it, of this. It, I'm like. <laughs> it's, 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 it's such disbelief. <laughs> I'm just thinking, what? Yeah. yeah. But it makes sense and, though uh, when it's explained like that, doesn't it? It's like. Well, of course, it, of course, the would. You know, and I think people, yeah. when they get asked questions during interviews, they do just tell you things, don't they? So yeah, it's all built on trust. You, 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 yeah. you and it's interesting because you obviously like the Hollywood movies and you know these TV stuff on Netflix and thinking, oh, it, it's kind of like it's fictional, and it's like, well, that may well be, but it's it's usually based on something that's happened in the past. Yeah, um, and unfortunately, I've kind of. Well, I've been in unfortunate situations, certainly in the retail sector, actually, where unbeknowingly worked with um, people who I thought they were somebody, but actually there was somebody else. And you just don't know until later on, um, and certain wow. things start to go a little bit wrong. That's for another podcast as well. I can't go into <laughs> that one too much. Like, I need to prepare for what I have to say for that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Choose your words carefully. It can, yeah. But, and and it, it can really like, turn everybody's world upside down like really really quickly you know you think you might be in one place and you might be like somewhere else and you know i mean identity theft which i know we kind of like mentioned at, at the beginning is is like is, is a massive thing if there's a particular target that you really if you've got a grudge against somebody this is where i have to be really careful sometimes you know, you know like with people that if you don't get on with them, it's like sometimes it's easy just to uh, just find a, a quick exit out and don't make you know, too honestly, much of an issue with it. Honestly, I have to say something with the identity theft just really quick because a lot go, of people go on. I hear this a lot. I hear this a lot. Oh, they can steal my identity. I don't have good credit. I don't have money in my bank account. Right? Okay. So think about that. <clears throat> Even if you're if you're somebody listening in the UK, I know they have something called court enforcement or something if you don't pay your debts right they'll come let's say you're one of those folks they just showed up at your door you don't have any money okay <laughs> here's a reason why i might want to steal your identity um i'm going to take your identity and i'm going to go and i'm going to get a driver's license an id card right and i am going to go rob a bank or i am going to commit a cyber crime or i'm gonna i don't know i'm gonna commit some kind of crime right and i'm gonna get arrested with your id card and then i'll get released on bail well, guess who they're going to come after when I don't show up to court, right? They're going to come after you and they're going to say, look, no, 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 no. Your identification, your social security number, everything, this was you. You are wanted for this crime. And this has happened. This is actually something nobody talks about with this. Um, a lot of people doing identity thefts could care less about your stupid financial woes, right? They could just want some alias to commit crimes under so that they don't ever have to succumb to because there's no way they're going to get caught uh, almost uh, once they're doing this yeah they can straighten it out to where they'll let you out of jail hopefully in a couple weeks um, realizing they have the wrong person by looking at the picture but 
they're not going to have a trace back to that person. So keep that in mind, you, you folks like me that don't have a bunch of money. Um, it, it doesn't matter. One, one final tip that I kind of, um, yep. probably just to share really was, I think like myself, if you receive an, um, if you receive an email, um, you can just click on the the actual sender name. Usually, um, okay. it will be something look some some really random string of like numbers or something some weird like address it's coming from that will tell you that it's not a true hit you can't use it for it's not 100 percent guaranteed um but in probably huge amount of cases that that will tell you that if that email is genuine before you click on anything and i'm not saying you can you should be doing this for every single email but you'll know for the for the um you'll know if you're expecting the delivery you'll know if your bank normally emails you about something and they don't now at all we i don't know many banks that do it they don't tend to text you unless you're kind of like overdrawn or you may have applied right. for a credit card recently or something but again it's minimal stuff they tend to go back to um kind of like sending stuff through the post and that so so definitely maybe check on on um the the kind of the sender address of the email before you kind of click on stuff and um i was i keep saying one more thing but this other thing that came into my head was about mac users and this is an old age thing so if you've never heard about this like a kind of the old age thing but like pc users being kind of exploited how a lot it was easy to exploit a pc user whereas Macs, you know they're kind of being supposedly gated and and because of the, the kind of the way that the architecture and the software is like built but that's no longer the case um so because that work that was kind of disproved a couple of years ago maybe a few more years than that now but so has are they still predominantly do you think in your expertise lloyd are mac users more uh, kind of more protected than pc users or are we still just as you know uh exploitable if that's word no, you're definitely more protected, uh, but not for reasons that you would think. So, yeah, I do have a stat on this, too, because I was thinking about it. Um, 2020 malware attacks for Mac users went up 1,092%, right? So here's here's the reality. It's not necessarily, yeah, is our Macs better? Yeah, they're better, right? That, but <laughs> but here's here's the thing. Macs have become more popular, and Apple devices have become more popular, this is the reason why attacks are increasing. It's not because Mac is suddenly, you know, their security is on the decline. That's ridiculous. It's on the the incline. It's it's increasing, but popularity is increasing dramatically. So attackers are learning about these systems more, and that's why these are increasing. So that being said, as dangerous as it is, are you more protected than a Windows user? Um, is an Apple iPhone uh, more protected than an Android? Absolutely. It It's still the case that it's less likely for you, but it's not just because, oh, Mac is just better. It's, it's because um, attackers are looking more at this. But you have to think, there's still so much more Windows knowledge out there than there are Mac knowledge, right? And even, it, like, I can fix a PC, but I have to go through special training and get special tools to fix a, a Mac, right? It's the same way with hacking. That is a specialized field. It's the same way with development. If you're going to be an, uh, an iPhone, like an, an app developer for, for Apple, that is highly specialized. You're going to get paid more money. 
Um, it's just more specialized knowledge. So that is the reason why, yes, you are still more protected, especially when you talk about iPhone versus Android, it's night and day. Um, you, you almost, you just don't bother getting into the iPhone. Like if you're, like I taught Android hacking. I didn't teach iPhone hacking. It would have taken a long time for me to learn and, and teach that. Yeah, I think I think it is definitely hackable now, isn't it? Just about. I'm not too sure. Maybe a couple of years ago, again, I think it was hacked in. But I think there was a lot. They tend to update the software quite quickly. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's still vulnerabilities. It's technology, isn't it? So that's what that's why it's important. Isn't as annoying as it is um, when you get a notification that says, "Oh, you know." iPhone update today, you better do it right away. I make a point if mm. I have that notification, it says your iPhone's going to be updated tonight. I plug in my phone, make sure it's connected to Wi Fi, and I do the update immediately. Because the only reason, basically, the only reason for these small updates is for security fixes. Um, yeah. That's what everybody needs to keep in mind. And yeah, it, it's, it's, it seems like a pain in the butt, and it kind of is like, oh, it's going to mess up my phone. Yeah, it might mess up your phone, and you can revert it, or you can call Apple. Um, but it's the same thing with any phone, and the same thing with your computers at home. If there's a Windows update, you need to do it right away, especially Windows. Good God. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, updates are the most important thing. And that goes to one of the practical. I know you were asking, maybe you will ask a little bit about like what are the actual practical things you can do. One of them is always keep everything updated. Updated. Yeah, the, the update's really important. And I do keep saying one more thing, but I just remembered as well. Um, I know somebody's mentioned this to me before, but also about like uh, devices when you're recycling them. If you're taking them back to like or to a shop and to get them in to be recycled, or going to take them to the local centre for recycling, make sure you delete everything off the system as well. I don't know if you want to talk about any steps about that because that's probably a really easy way of getting data if just trying to find an old device and trying to hack into it. And then you just got tons and tons of data already on there. Yeah. I don't know much about, well, I do, I guess. Um, if you're talking about phones, if you're, if you have sensitive information on there, um, you're probably not going to be the one recycling that it's probably going to be your company doing it. Um, if it's a company phone, um, if for some reason you did seriously have very sensitive data on there, you can restore to factory settings. Um, but with advanced enough software, you can do what's called file carving and you can get deleted files off of the system. So there are different applications. You probably have to pay for them, especially on Apple. Uh, it's called data sanitization tools. So it doesn't just delete. It will like, it will overwrite um, whatever is there, it'll delete and then overwrite it with new garbage data like multiple times. So I'm going to delete your text file and I'm going to put a bunch of ones and zeros randomly and I'm going to do it again and again and again and again so that I, it can't be, you can't recover that data. Um, with PCs, um, if you're doing that, especially for a business, again, um, a lot of times those hard drives are literally just shredded. If they're not going to be reused within the business, you will literally shred a hard drive um, or at least pass a, a special magnet over it. And yeah, there's software for that too. Um, and, and it kind of depends on what level you're looking for. There's different levels. 
And again, guess who guess who tells you what to do, right? It's the regulations. Some places, just if, if you're going to decommission things, you have to shred it, or you can degauss it with a magnet, or you can use a specific kind of software. Um, yeah, deleting isn't isn't always the best thing if you have really sensitive data. But for the majority of users, restoring to factory settings is probably good enough. And passwords, we used to have advice about how we often change like passwords, but it's just ridiculous. You can't keep up with that now because this. I think on my iPhone, there's a in the software, it told me that um, my kind of username and password had been noticing sort of 1500 different websites it's like well i can't go through and possibly change all of that so i think i've kind of heard or read about that we might be starting to see a kind of like a password and username solution now do you know anything else about what might be coming around the corner for that yeah i do i I don't know that that's going to be adopted anytime soon um and i don't know all of the technical details of this um but but basically the goal is to get rid of traditional sign-ons. I mean, that's what I can tell you. That's what I'll bother going into. Everything else would be a little too technical. Um, but that's what kind of like the the dream of the average cybersecurity professional, especially in charge of a whole company, would be to never use a password again for authentication, ever. Or biometrics, like fingerprint and iris. Don't really want to use that either. Um, it'd be better to use this other solution. Um, it's a hardware-based solution. Well, well, we'll keep it tuned. We might be bringing you back then for that one. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Because I was thinking, oh, well, it's going to be something to do with your eyes or your fingerprint or something, facial No, and actually, no. And now no, it's something else? No. no. I, I would hate, and that's the thing about the, the fingerprint and everything. You know, you can think about this for a second. If somebody gets a hold of your password, and I don't want to go for too long on this, but if somebody gets a hold of your password, you can get into your account and change your password, right? If someone somehow is able to reproduce your fingerprint or your iris, you're not going to change that. I want you to think about that for a second. So before everyone gets excited about fingerprints and irises and face ID, you're not going to be able to change those things if they get compromised. So that's why I personally just frown on biometric authentication. And I'm going to ask you a question here as well. Is like because you kind of slipped into one of your answers there that you're an iPhone user. So, and I already know the answers to this. So, so iPhone in your experience is the kind of the the safest operating system out there at the moment. Definitely, it it just it's it's hands down safer than Android. I That's mean, bound it, to get a few people and like going in the. I mean, it's just facts. <laughs> it's just facts. If you don't believe me, get down, try to learn uh, mobile device hacking yourself and see how long it takes you to learn some Android stuff versus some iPhone stuff. I've been doing this for three years. I still don't have a clue how to get into an iPhone. I just don't have any idea. Um, and you mentioned this beforehand, and I didn't pick up on it, that you know, so far this whole conversation has been kind of really about kind of unethical hacking but you mentioned ethical hacking and like beforehand so penetration testers would be a good example of kind of like ethical hacking are there any other examples because some people might think you know well, i know somebody does hacking but they don't do any of this type of stuff or maybe i should be a little bit worried about people who, who are doing this in you know sort of keeping company with them but are there any other example examples of like ethical hackers 
that um, yeah. you know people either interested. What could they be doing? Um, there's something very interesting. Um, don't get first of all, don't get lured into the the promises of making a bunch of money doing this, unless you're in the top one percent. But um, bug bounty. So uh, one one website in particular is called HackerOne.com. Uh, and basically companies, instead of paying for these tests, what they'll do is they'll say, Hey, here's a list of things that we, that are, that you're allowed to try to hack. And here's a list of things that are off limits. Okay. And what you can do is you can go on this website and just cruise for these businesses and you can do what, whatever's inside of the bounds of, of these requirements. That's the ethical part, right? Um, you can do whatever you want. Okay and try to hack into it. If you do, you write them a little report and then you turn it in and then they will pay you money. Okay. So they pay you for a, for each vulnerability or bug found, especially what you're going to have to tell them how to fix it uh, generally. Um, but even if not, a lot of times if you tell them about this and it's critical, they will pay you an amount of money. So it's kind of a win-win you get paid potentially if you find something, if you don't, you have something that you're allowed to be trying to get into and the businesses don't have to pay until they have a finding. And that's just beautiful. Uh, that's, that's probably the, the number one. There are other uh, ways, but I don't recommend. There are people that do that, but without using platforms. So what they're doing is actually illegal, but they will do it illegally. It's called a gray hat. So I'm going to try to hack into X website or their system and I'm not doing it for malicious activity. I'm not interested in their data. I'm interested in finding a vulnerability so that I can tell that company they have that vulnerability so they can fix it. And I'm not going to tell anyone else about it. Um, but that's illegal. It's, it's a really, it's called a gray hat because it's a gray area. You could get praised, paid, or you can get prosecuted for that. Uh, thank you for mentioning that. I think that's a really important thing to know about, um, all of this kind of like what we're talking about today that you may well go out thinking that you're doing a good deed but actually you could end up on the wrong side um of the law um and we definitely wouldn't want that to, like, to be happening and interesting going back to the, the bug bounty and that I, th I think it was microsoft or apple they definitely run these cycles like per year and it can be quite lucrative if you kind of find some of the things that they can't find you could be making like um, truly sort of six figures and more. I think Apple uh, are kind of rumored to be expanding it. Um, and again, I think this is some of this is maybe based on trust as well. If, if you're kind of like known to be a good person um, and you work hard um, at that, then yeah, there might be some other kind of rewards there as well. Let's move on to TikTok yeah. because we've. Uh, it, interestingly, we've kind of circled around that the whole thing um, about uh kind of like uh ethical data and data hacking and uh kind of like holding lots of data we've talked about gdpr Gemma, do you want to introduce the backdrop to this because you mentioned that we might want to talk about this and i think this is a really good sort of conversation opener so over to you i feel like i'm a bit like the woman with two stunt to speak you know when you see it when you see it <laughs> yeah. on tiktok after listening to all of that but it's it's really interesting isn't it I kind of like some of this stuff is just like mind blown. No, I know yesterday in America there was it wasn't like a trial, was it? But the guy from TikTok was getting interviewed by a lot of different Congress. Is it congressmen? Is that right? Mm -hmm. um, and asked different yeah. questions 
um, to do with like the security and what kind of data the hold on people, uh, what it'll be used for and stuff. And I guess I was just wanting to know more about other like the questions that have been asked, other concerns like real, you know, and is it the same for TikTok as for other channels? Do people need to be wary of it? Because a lot of small businesses rely on like TikTok and Instagram. So it was just to really find out yeah. what you knew about that, Lloyd. I know you said you'd watched a lot of it. Yeah, you know, there's two kind of dangers to this. So I'll stick with the security side because obviously there's a concern yeah. about the effect that the app has psychologically on especially adolescents, which is totally true. I'm just going to put it out there. But <laughs> the other concern is privacy, okay? Um, you know, there's two things that I... I hate. Okay. And TikTok does both of them. And so do all other social media. They, their profit, they're in the business of making money from your data. I mean, that's how they make money. You don't pay for TikTok for a reason, right? That's also the same with all other. Think about what any other organization does, right? Facebook or Twitter with your information. They make money from your information to advertisers at least. And that's just what we know about. Okay. The other thing that they do is, depending on who's in charge, content is moderated based on the ideas of those that are in charge. And now I know that even us folks in this particular podcast room do not agree with me on censorship. Um, and that's just one thing. I'm just in that that ball game of I just don't like. I'm not particularly um, fond of censorship when it's centralized to a group of people in a room that you have no idea who they are. That's the problem I have. But here's the thing with TikTok versus all of those other things. No, it, it, let me try to tie it to something specific in the, in the hearing. That was, he was specifically asked, do people in China have access to this data? And he answered, they currently do, I'm paraphrasing, they do now, but not after Project Texas, right? So here's what he basically said. Yeah, they do right now. And they have, right? Because this is a Chinese company, or excuse me, their parent company is is, is based in Beijing, right? So they said, no, 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 they do now, but we're going to move everything uh, to the U.S. and have a U.S.-based, right? Here's what was ignored, and here's what everybody should be paying attention to. Because the majority of people don't know the law in China, okay? But here's the law in China. Any business, right, that's there is directly has to answer to the Chinese government, okay? So whether they move everything or they have a separate set of data stores in the U.S. doesn't really matter and doesn't change Chinese law. Their parent, they have a parent company that is based in Beijing, and it is the law that all businesses answer directly to the Chinese Communist Party. This is not something they're going to get around with by moving servers to Texas. That's hogwash. Okay, um, that's what was that's what wasn't said. Uh, and here's what I'll say: the the person that was answering, obviously, he has TikTok's best interest at heart, um, and he's. Um, I don't I don't want to curse on here. So let me just say that he 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 doesn't care about anybody, right? And then the Congress, most of the Congress folks that were asking the questions were complete morons as far as technology was concerned. Um, so the American people and 
really a lot of people worldwide completely missed out on this nuance. And that's what I was paying attention to. Okay. So that's what you need to keep in mind. TikTok versus everything else. I, I would say if you want to generalize, right? Cause we're not all security people. We don't all keep this in mind, right? Is anybody listening? If you're on Facebook, if you're on Instagram, um, you know, uh, if you do a lot of messaging through Snapchat and all of this, don't also tell me that you, um, that privacy is near and dear to your heart. Okay. That's disingenuous to say you don't, you do not have privacy on these platforms. The difference in the danger is okay. That at least these answer to a government body that answers to you. That's what I'm, I, I don't know if that sounded too convoluted. So let's just take the U S for instance, if Facebook is owned by the U S at least Facebook answers to regulations in the U.S. If the U.S. changes a regulation that doesn't allow for, you know, information to be taken from, let's say, minors or something, um, then they have to abide by this. If this regulation passes in the U.S. Um, through the, a Chinese-owned company, they don't necessarily have to abide by those rules. Or if they do, they just have to within the U.S. Okay? All that data... Yeah if they want, can still be funneled to China and then they can do whatever they want to with the data. They can still abide by the regulation in the United States, but they can get around it just like corporations get around paying taxes. You know, they have satellite uh, headquarters in, country, in tax havens. It's the same thing with data and information. You know, uh, the UK actually has privacy, uh, you know, rules, which are basically non-existent here in the U.S. where Amazon had to pay $900 million to the, the government, right, for front, for fines of GDPR violations. Um, so anyway, that's that's what I would be concerned about is the fact that no matter what they say and no matter what, you have to keep in mind what are your feelings about um, if you handed over all of your information or any of your information directly to the Chinese government and you have to realize that when you're on TikTok, you're doing the same thing. And you have to face that reality and do something about it. Get off the platform and get on something else if you really care about it. Um, and not to mention that you're also funding in some way any effort that you may or may not agree with by that government body and the people that are affiliated with that government um, because they're making money off your data, right? So even if you're even if you think people that say the Chinese government's out for out to get you is a conspiracy, okay, that's fine. But do you agree with everything that that government is doing? If the answer is no, then you should have a problem with them making money from you. You are dire indirectly funding um, certain government activities. I, I think uh, it's really, really. This whole topic in itself is is, is a is a fantastic debate and you almost could just run a podcast um and probably never even get to the end of it um but i agree with what he's what you everything you kind of said actually because people still don't understand that social media is that you are putting things out there in the public domain regardless of whether you have kind of privacy settings turning this off turning that off at the end of the day he's still being held on their servers awesome. and he will be able to be accessible oh, by, by somebody <laughs> oh there we go no no and i i i and it's still surprising, you know, we've seen um, like recently just with WhatsApp messages being exploited and used in court cases and in prosecutions um, and kind of like public stuff. It's it, it's crazy. And yet people still don't think, um, 
you know that, that this information can be found but it can it, it i just i it beggars belief and some of these people are fairly what what you think are fairly smart people um and they're just like not and you think you're kind of chatting to one person um you know and you're not you, you know you that data is being like held regardless of the say it's got end-to-end encryption or not at the end of the day, you're using a social networking site or social networking software or some sort of technology. So you might as well kind of, unless you're just going to do whisper it in somebody's ear and walk away, then like, yeah, it's it's going to be recorded somewhere. That 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 happened. It's been logged somewhere. And once somebody's seen it or heard it or kind of accessed it, then there'll be another record somewhere. So people have to, like you said, have to understand that. And I still find it fascinating that we still kind of hear about all of this and the media um i don't make it out to be like this is like shocking it's like yeah but it's been possible to do this like for what decades it's nothing new it's Um, nothing new i think no um and then the other thing kind of like you mentioned was um kind of like traceability which i think is probably quite a good heading and i think this is this is kind of where we are uh Interestingly, kind of, we've come to a bit of a crossroads, I think, um, sort of globally in terms of its politics or kind of like with goods and services, um, but certainly now with technology as well, that people have to understand um, that, you know, who they need to question who, you know, what am I using and like kind of what am I buying and like who are these people? And there are more conversations going on around this, like in the media. You know, if you talk about things like veganism and understanding where like food and like kind of comes from is a really good example, whether you agree with it or not. It's just an example of kind of like understanding and just questioning everything kind of like around us. Just because it says one name above the door doesn't mean to say that's just who it is. You have to kind of understand like kind of like if they're owned by somebody else and then if they're that person that right, company right. owns. Do you know what I mean? And it's now like, I get what you're saying. You do need- <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 this whole thing and you know we just trust we kind of or i don't know i'm getting on my soapbox here probably more than lloyd actually and Gemma, you can kind of stop me here but i just <laughs> no, think you it's carry like, on darren <laughs> yeah <laughs> but we are in this society where i you know that we seem to be we just trust everything at face value and i think it's it's just so it's dangerous it's really, really dangerous. We we trust in politicians at face value. We we just trust everybody. Oh, that's what they told us. So that's what we'll do. We're almost turning into sheep. Um, you know, not that sheep are stupid, but just the fact they're just following. You know, the, the 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 other animals or the other people in front. They're doing it, so I should as well. And it's like, you know, if it's if we want things to change, we have to stand up and say no, or just go somewhere else, or just don't use it. I came off Twitter this year. Um, closing accounts down um, and you know I actually said to a government department this year it's like you know well you shouldn't really be using that platform you're supporting kind of the person who runs it who's really unethical they treat the workers really shoddily how much more evidence do you need that can you see every and yet you know people still doing it I'm not saying everybody should come off like straight away but I do think that you know you need to be like leading by example if it kind of government department is still putting stuff out and you know using these platforms like well so it's interesting with the tiktok shutdown 
and the government staff going, going back to what Gemma was like kind of asking that we are starting to see maybe a bit of a lead by example but kind of somebody said to me earlier on today that there might be another reason why this might be happening and the fact that it's um, I don't know I just want to put this out there that maybe yeah. because TikTok is getting so big but do you think it's more? Is it, do you think it could also not to be about cybersecurity, but it could also be that it, it could be that it's taking over, um, or the threat that it might be getting bigger than some of the US um, technology companies. So almost trying to remove them from the kind of the competition. So you know, restricting the market to just controlling uh, to, to, to maybe like the Western organization controlling the Western market. What do you think? About, I mean, we've got no evidence for any of this. This is all circumstantial. It's just our own opinions here. Um, so just like that's the that's the kind of little well, asterisk here. I don't know, because Facebook is just so uh, abnormally large. I mean, it's just, it's bigger. It's so much bigger. But also, as soon as TikTok gained any kind of popularity, <clears throat> it's it was mainly... The capability, like the kind of media that you're consuming and the way that you're consuming it, right? YouTube and Facebook, Instagram, they all immediately adopted the technology. I mean, you can do the same, you get in the same trap on Facebook. I get in the same trap on YouTube. So really, maybe that could be the the, the case. Um, but at the same time, here's here's what I want people to think about that. And, and this is the first time I'm hearing about that. But think about this from this perspective. Think about the fact that if that's true, it's because politicians are in cahoots with um, the existing companies. Okay. And think about yourself as a corrupt politician. Let's say TikTok is getting really big. Okay. Um, am I really going to care that they're getting that big and my other companies are are freaking out or am I just going to try to get in TikToks or try or have TikTok get in my pocket as well? So it's like really if that's the case then the corrupt folks that are 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 trying to, you know, are at the top of this that we don't see, um it seems like they would just easily transition and get their money from TikTok instead. Um so if you're going to talk about I mean that sounds like a very much um that would only be from corruption and behind closed doors. Um, I don't think you could exclude TikTok from that argument then and say, well, um, it's because TikTok's getting big. Because if that's the case and I, I put myself in the shoes of a corrupt politician, then I'm just going to try to get – and also um, think about how much more money you could get. Because you're not just – I'm sorry to say it. I don't care what anybody – you know, you, whoever's listening, okay? You're not going into cahoots with some company called TikTok. You're, you have a direct channel to a different government, and that's potential for a lot more money, a lot more influence, and a lot more opportunities. So I would also I would argue that as a corrupt person, it's a lot more lucrative the bigger TikTok gets for you to kind of get in bed with uh, with that company. Um, so, but yeah, it's definitely a possibility that could be the case. And I kind of just to put this some of this into context, somebody. Um... I can't go into too much detail here, but somebody um, said to me uh, last week that there's a certain type of, let's just say, musical content that they access um, on TikTok. So uh, let's put some context around this. So let's just say they 
watch a lot of like dance music videos or something like you know electronic music so been doing that since they ever opened their account and then all of a sudden now they're starting to find they're getting targeted with ads or with with kind of user generated content ugc um persuading them that actually the stuff they've been listening to or watching is not good so this is kind of putting into context what lloyd is kind of like saying and kind of like kind of you have to be careful about kind of what, what you're reading and what you're um what you're being shown i'm going to we're going to move into another example before we finish the podcast which is something i read um this morning which i thought was just crazy so We've heard before things like with things like Cambridge Analytica. We've heard a lot going back to kind of um, the kind of the mid decade between um, 2010 2020, where certain countries were accused of interfering with like political elections, Brexit, um, elections here in the UK, um, US even. Um, and again, if you kind of want to put any meat on the bones, you can just do some your own googling and kind of work that out for yourself. Um, but we're still we're starting to see this now on a on a different side, and this is the danger that we're kind of like talking about here. That you know that if you've got maybe one country's culture and opinion about what they think is right and what's wrong, and then you've suddenly got billions and billions of users, and you start flooding them, saying actually what this is right or what's wrong, you can suddenly start to shift opinion not just in a couple of countries, but kind of global sway. And I just, I find that just so dangerous and, but like fascinating. And I think it's, it's, I do think it's going to come. This TikTok ban is going to come. I, th- I think it, it started in the kind of the government stuff now, because New Zealand are on board, UK, US, and there's probably going to be one or two more, I'm sure. And I think it's not going to be too long, but unless they completely change, then I think it's going to happen. Um, but what the outcome of that's going to be on a political side, I think it will be interesting because China won't, I wouldn't have thought will not be happy about that. But um, maybe we should like leave it like there on that one, like for the moment. But moving on to the final bit, I want to kind of like also mention kind of kind of loosely suggest, uh, kind of connected with this. I was reading The Guardian this morning um, and I didn't know about this because um, I try not to do too much social media these days. Um, but there was, and I can talk about this because it's explicitly um, in the Guardian. There was examples of um, images created via um, the new AI technology. I think it was ChatGPT, or it was that technology, the OpenAI stuff, used and maybe another piece of software to create fake AI images about Donald Trump. So I think some, I don't know if you kind of like seen these there. And I think this is another example, of like because people will take for face value so the one image is shown of him like kneeling on the floor in this kind of very um i suppose like quite religious thing um almost like uh, yeah i got again google it you'll be able to find it for yourself i'm not even gonna put it in the show notes just google it if you're interested um but there's another one more alarmingly kind of showing him being sort of dragged away by like police officers um you know supposedly on, on kind of on, from like a you know what he thought was going to be his court day um but it's only kind of on kind of like deeper inspection that you could see there was something wrong with the the look of the police officer's eyes that were looking in the wrong direction and again some of this is old stuff you know there's some of these images go back to 
propaganda back in you know world war Two and kind of people sort of doctoring stuff and taking things and putting their own slants on it but we start to see that now in like mainstream images things that we would normally kind of like take for granted and trust so we've got to be I suppose this is again like another warning that we've got this amazing technology and I love chat EPT and everything he does but this is a good example of some of the bad stuff that can happen if it gets into the wrong hands. Have you guys seen these images? I've seen similar. I haven't seen the Trump ones, but I've seen similar ones. And try to generate I, different ones myself using different AI tools. And they just yeah. you can tell they just don't look they don't look real. But, but they're getting better though. That's they, they, are the, that get, think, they are getting better. But yeah. when, you, when you look at them and you've got the picture of the a real picture of the person next to it compared to the AI yeah. generated one, you can see the difference. If you didn't have them side by side and you were just like scrolling up and down or flicking through something, then you probably would be caught out by it. Yeah, um, I think is that because we're also and we're also busy these days. We've been talking about like cybersecurity, like you know, for um, for business or for individuals. But, you know, again, just people like showing you images when you just quickly scan in social media and there might be like a headline and you're not maybe not going to take too much time out to read the story. You're just going to take for face value what it is. So I think it's interesting that, you know, you know, this podcast is it's not about just, you know, showing about all the dangers and stuff, but it's a discussion. It's about having that open discussion out there in the, in the public domain to question some of this. So I'm I'm all pro new technology, you know. That I do a lot of it, a lot of training in AI and stuff. So I'm definitely all pro it. But there are the downsides, like with everything, um, and we just have to be like like the more cautious. And I think that's maybe that's what we need to kind of like say to kind of close this podcast is that, you know, use these tools, um, you know, embrace new technology, um, but always be like really careful and just maybe stop every now and again just to think about things like you've heard from Lloyd today, you know, think about this, ask yourself this question, you know, these kind of questions um, you know, we've, we've, we've been talking about today. So I think hopefully more than anything, you found like this discussion really insightful, really interesting, informative, um, and maybe kind of valuable. You know, you never know that if you put some of these things in, you might sort of beat off a future cyber, cyber hack like yourself. Have you guys got anything else that you'd like to add or any like last minute advice before we close off? No, I don't think yeah. I'm, I'm just a bit like <laughs> uh, shell shocked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to say this about what you just brought up with the images. Cause I think it's important, especially um, <clears throat> if you're someone that thinks that social media has the responsibility of controlling misinformation and disinformation, if you, for some reason, trust these companies with that, um, what you should, everyone should be calling for immediately is for social media companies to flag images for potentially being, um, being created from AI because it's not that difficult. I mean, images have metadata, location data, when they were taken, where they were taken. Um, and I think if you have algorithms that are as robust enough to affect society you also have algorithms that can detect hey this image is likely made from ai or is not human made um, and should put a flag at the top of images like that um, because otherwise things are going to spiral out of control so what i would say is keep an eye on that uh, ask for that rally for that if you're an entrepreneur create something like that um, 
Um, it's actually a good idea. I might, I may try to work on that, but anyway, just think about that for a second. It should be easy to detect, um, through various sources. Um, I, I really like, I think that's a really elegant, simple solution. Uh, And I think just to flag it up and make it like clear for people and, yeah, it doesn't need to be anything yeah. like too massive. Like you say, all the images contain this metadata and there's nothing there, then, you know, or they put it into the image that, you know, that this is, you know, created with AI or something. Um, right. I think that's a really good first step. Ooh, you could be yeah, well, there's a there, Lloyd. free business idea. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. That's, that's a really, really great one. Um, Thank you so much for your time, Lloyd. Um, I really appreciate it because you're like you're seven, eight hours like behind us. So this is like really first thing in the morning on a Saturday morning we're recording this. So and thank you so much for your time. You've been listening um, to um, the Like, Click, and Share podcast with uh, our guest uh, Lloyd Famsey, um, Gemma Walton, and myself, um, Darren Winter. If you want to listen to more about Lloyd, um, do tune into his podcast, Info Insecurity. I'm going to find the link and pop it into the show notes. Um, but Lloyd, um, he's available for hire. So if you want to bring him into your own business, <laughs> go do your own plugging. I should do this. I'm doing this for you. But um, yeah, Lloyd is a cybersecurity trainer, is a professional, and working now background as, uh, as a, in, in Linux as, a, as an administration. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I think that if you're running a large business or running a good business, that and if you don't take that away from um, this, that you need to maybe go and review stuff then I think that's the minimum thing um, that we should all be doing, just have another quick checkup on everything that we're doing uh, to make sure we're all good. But hopefully you really enjoy this podcast. Thank you for listening. Give us a like. Um, we're going to be inviting Lloyd back um, at a future point. So if there's any other questions that you'd love to ask him that you probably didn't hear about this time, that our details are in the show notes. Please just email us or obviously if you go to Lloyd's podcast, uh, listen to it, subscribe and contact him directly. But thank you so much, everybody, and um, have a great day.